Hello and welcome to a special Thanksgiving episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm your host, Sid Ziegler, as always, and this week I wanted to have a conversation about family. Thanksgiving in the United States is so much about gathering with family and friends, and so I wanted to have a guest on who could talk about family, and I figured no one would be better than soccer star Robbie Rogers. Robbie is married to his husband, Greg Berlanti, a TV producer. They've been together for oh, five or six years now. They have a couple of kids. And if you've read Robbie's book or know much about his story, you know that family plays a very big role in his life. So I wanted to have Robbie on this week to talk in part about family and balancing career with his dedication to his family. When he and Greg started dating, Robbie was a professional soccer player with the LA Galaxy, and his his travels put you know a little bit of a strain as they would on any young relationship. When you're a professional athlete, you're flying around with the team all over the country, and frankly, he was dating a TV producer. They produced TV all over the country too. So we talked a little bit about that. He talked about balancing his his young TV producing career now with family and how he and Greg figure out how to spend time together and with the kids on a regular basis. We also talked about Robbie's love of the Olympics. Robbie is best known for being a major league soccer player and winning a couple of MLS cups, but Robbie talks about his love for and fascination with the Olympics his time at the Olympic Games. He competed for the United States in 2008 in Beijing. And the impact of that was not lost on him. So without further ado, my conversation with Robbie Rogers about family, the Olympics, Thanksgiving, and producing his CW TV show, All American. I'm thrilled to be joined by Robbie Rogers, two-time MLS Cup champion, TV producer, fashion designer, author, sports trailblazer, father, husband, and yes, Olympian. And if you haven't met Robbie, well, if you have, you know he's one of the nicest guys that you'll ever meet. Where do you find all of the energy to do all this, Robbie? Are you like a seven espresso a day kind of guy, or are you more like a pumpkin spice latte guy? Uh, I'm more of a four shots of espresso kind of guy. <laughs> Is that your morning regimen? Um, no, I, I, Greg and I always share coffee in the morning as the kids, you know, Caleb runs around and Mia kind of just like stares at us. Um, but then I have my coffee in the afternoon too, but coffee's weird for me. I'm like, it wakes me up in the morning, but I could have it, you know, after dinner and still fall to sleep. So, um, I, I don't know how I have energy. I mean, compared to some people I work with, I would say that I don't have enough energy. So. Well, yeah. you work with the busiest man in showbiz, so yeah. we'll just dive into yeah. that really, really quickly for a second. Yeah. I mean, given given that you're in a relationship with with somebody who's producing exactly 39.8 percent of everything that's on television, <laughs> how how do you guys manage that? Are, are are do you have like honest conversations about how you're managing it? Yeah, I mean, working together makes it easier. Um, you know, being able to just like walk to each other's offices and have coffee and lunch with each other and um, actually makes our life easier. I think when I was playing, it was a little bit more difficult because I was traveling so much and he would travel and then figure out the kids. But um, um, working together 
actually this made it a little easier. Um, but yeah, we look at our focus is our family and each other. That's the number one priority. And you know, if there's any moment that either of us feel like one of us is not getting enough attention, it's like having the having the uh, the freedom or you know the um, I don't know just being able the safety of being able to kind of just like say that. So you know, so far you know Greg and I have been together for like six seven years and we've been able to make it work and we have you know Caleb now is three and a half and Mia six and she's six months and we just uh, prioritize each other. So it's going to probably become more and more difficult the next few years. But, um, you know, when, when everything starts first, the family, I think, uh, you know, we're able to make adjustments and changes as, as we need. Is that something that you learned as a kid from your parents making family first? I think, you know, with my family, it was five kids in my family. My parents were extremely busy. It was actually like, and, and there was, I have so many great moments of our family all together, but not enough. And so I think it was more, for me, was learning how I didn't want to be a certain way. And I wanted to always have so many special moments with our family and to always have Sundays doing things and always have, you know, date nights and always have. So it was kind of learning from my family in ways that I, that things that were positive, but also in ways that were negative. You know, my parents got divorced. So um, there were definitely things to be, that I learned from their relationship and from our family dynamic. Um, so I guess it worked both ways for me and, and, you know, Greg and my relationship. You guys do work together on All American, the TV show yeah. that you produce. And, uh, you know, the season two opened to the biggest ratings that the, the series had. How did you, during the quote-unquote off-season, if you will, how did you and the CW use the off season to to build interest so that you would have these these big numbers to kick off season two? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's I feel like with a lot of shows, there's not necessarily an off season because you're on some you have a deal with the streaming service. So we're on Netflix in our you know off season or whatever you want to call it. And I really believe if you have a good show that uh, can get eyeballs, then then it can really pick up some momentum. So. On Netflix, you know, although they don't really promote the show, it was on there and just so many people found the show. And even to this day, you know, we're constantly telling people that it's a, a CW show, that it's, it's on the CW in the fall and then it's on the Netflix, it's on Netflix in the spring. And, um, you know, that's kind of not necessarily saved us, but that's really where we found such a large audience. But then we were able to attract some of that audience from Netflix to watch it live on the CW and, and also to watch it on the CW app, which like it airs the next day. Like, so it airs live on Mondays on the CW and then on Tuesday on the CW app. And it's been crazy the amount of people that have downloaded the CW app, app to watch the show. Um, that's been actually really cool. Um, because people watch their TV differently. You know, they don't want to watch commercials. They, they want to binge a few episodes. They, you know, will watch it at work on their phones the next day. So as our times change, it's just as, as the world changes, it's like, you know, the way that people watch shows also changes. And, and so I wouldn't say that we necessarily had a plan to get all these people on Netflix. We were hoping that it, that it would happen that way. And we all truly believed in the quality of the show. And it just worked out that, you know, there was enough people on Netflix really that like watched it and then told their friends about it. We told their friends about it. And now, um, you know, we're doing well in CW. And I, I hope that we'll have an early season three pickup. During every sports season, uh, every team, every athlete goes through highs and lows you win a game mm -hmm. you lose a game you're, you're up you're down and yeah. it's kind of the same with a, a tv season oh we had you know mm -hmm. ra ratings increased 14 percent this week and dropped 
to 12% this week. Did, did the emotional roller coaster of sports prepare you for the emotional roller coaster of TV? Yes and no. I think in sports, like, things are more – like, there's, there's a result. You know, there's a win. There's a loss. You know, there is – even if there's a draw, you have your performance on the weekend that you can build on. And sometimes in, in – or I think a lot of times in entertainment, you just, like – you. There's not necessarily a reason for things. There's not a reason sometimes people buy or don't or pass on a thing. There's not, sometimes not like, you know, there's shows or movies that do really well that you're like, oh, I really couldn't stand that. And then there's things that we love that get canceled. So I feel like in sports, of course, there's luck and there's bad decisions made by referees or, you know, I think every Hey, 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 watch it with the referee crack. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you've been watching like the VAR stuff in England. And it's like some of them, it's like, I don't understand this. But and there are every season when we've been successful, there's moments where I'm like, oh, we just need a little bit of luck. And we caught that. Or we didn't catch that. And we ended up winning the championship or we ended up losing and like, you know, just barely missing out. And so I, I think sports is a little different where you can build on, you can learn from a win or a loss. And, and sometimes in TV is just, and in entertainment, you just, you can't understand why something went one way or the other. In sports, if you lose, you can kind of point to, okay, well, I made yeah. a mistake here, he video. made a mistake there, and then That's your best exactly. season, your best episode of the season could be the lowest rated, and you're like, I, well, I don't know yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah, and and then you know sometimes you you expect, well, it was such a good episode that you know it's gonna it's gonna climb next episode, and it doesn't. So, I think that I think you have to be patient and have more, really more. You have to have faith in both, but in TV, you just have to have like, let's say we had so much faith in All American. We knew it was a great show. We knew we were doing a great job, and then it got on Netflix and it did really well. But we were still nervous: are people gonna watch it? And they did, and they gave us, you know, that's really what gave us the second season of All American. But in soccer, I believe I really felt like I don't know things were more evident. We could watch a video, we could see mistakes. We could see playback video of what we did tactically, what we could change, and we could make a change for the next weekend. And then you'd win or you lose, and you'd move on and you'd learn from that. So it's just, it was different for me in that way. And, and also, like, you know, every day, you know, you're, you're working on, you know, finishing, you're working on defensive stuff, and you like before your eyes can see yourself improving. And sometimes, you know, you don't have that immediate gratification with uh, television or entertainment. What are so some I miss, of the things I miss that? that <laughs> what's that? I said, so I missed out a little bit about sports. <laughs> what, what, what are some of the things that you learn playing sports that, that play a role in your producing? I mean, I, mean, I, I feel like yeah. the life lessons we learn from sports can be so important and, and they just, yeah. they're totally missed by some people. What, what are some of the things that you've taken from sports and are apply today? Um, well, I think, you know, and you can, you, can, you can disagree with me or agree with me, but I think just athletes uh, are extremely, most of them are extremely hard workers and deal with such um, adversity in their lives and are willing to overcome so much to, you know, such a small percentage of, of them, like reach this ultimate goal. There's to become professional or go to an Olympics or win a championship. And so you have to have so much belief in yourself so much, again, with all through all these struggles, through injuries, you have to work so hard and so you really, you really built so much character as a human. And I, and I, I feel like I've brought that with me into my, into my next career. I think a lot of guys, men and women, um, you know, take that into whatever their next careers are. And so like, I, I love working with athletes. I love working. They have so much faith and also they really want to learn. Again, we talked about 
you know, improving from the next game or from training session to training session. They really want to improve on becoming the best version of themselves. And so that, that benefits you in all aspects of your life, you know, in your next career with your family, as long as you're willing to do that, which I feel like a lot of athletes are willing to do that because they're so competitive and because they want to become the best. You know, I know like Greg sometimes jokes with me. He's like, when you're interested, it's weird how quickly you can learn something. He's like, but when you're not interested, you're the worst. Yeah. So with, with, you know, television and, and scripts and editing and all that stuff, I'm so fascinated and interested in it. So I, I'm able to really like just soak it all in. And I think a lot of athletes are that way, you know, so that amongst other things, I think make athletes great employees, but also um, great storytellers and great writers and, and anything that they're passionate about, they can be um, just really good at it. And good partners. I, I you know, I bring great, along, yeah. I learned about teamwork into my relationship yeah. with my husband and, Exactly. Um, and sometimes we butt heads because he he's not an athlete. And some of the yeah, no, no, some of the sure. ways that I approach it, it, it gets it gets funny. Yep. Yeah. I mean the teamwork and and there's so many different types of people on a team. You know, black, white, gay. I mean now more and more gays, straight, different religions from all parts of the world in soccer. And you have to learn to um, be sympathetic to other people's stories and who they are. And so you know when you walk into a writer's room, you're you're able to kind of just be open to everyone's different point of view and be sympathetic to the way people like to work and um, you know and not everyone is going to go a million miles an hour like you are like or like I am as an athlete but you kind of uh, are open to um, just working with all types of people well everybody hang tight uh, we'll be back in just a couple minutes with Robbie Rogers Okay, I'm back with Robbie Rogers, and, and, and Robbie, you want to dig a little bit more into into your sports experience, and as this is an Olympics yeah. podcast, I want to yeah. talk specifically about your experience at the Olympics. I, I know in, in the soccer world, you know, the World Cup is like the holy grail. Is When you were a kid growing up, I imagine the World Cup was a dream of yours. Was playing in the Olympics a dream of yours as a kid? Um, I would say my the first dream and was to become I think as a young kid I wanted to become a professional soccer player that was like my number one goal I wanted to play professional soccer one of my first memories as a young kid when it comes to soccer was going to the U.S. Columbia World Cup game at the uh, Rose Bowl in Pasadena with my dad and I remember like oh, I want to be part of this experience so I would say playing a World Cup was definitely up there but close to all of those, close to those two things. And, and also as an American, I think the Olympics is such like a magical thing I think for, I mean, for everyone around the world, but really as an American, I, I was like, going to the Olympics would be so special and representing not only the, the, the U.S. soccer team, but just to represent like America, the, the United States uh, in a World Cup, how like incredible that would be, regardless of how we, where we placed or what happened to us. So to be able to call myself an Olympian is something that I am very proud of and, uh, you know, I, I, my mom saved my, the, the outfit I wore during the opening ceremony. I still have my ring and I have like an Olympic torch on my wrist tattooed into my wrist. So it was very, it was definitely a moment in my life that, uh, I, I can remember every second of it. Um, and I'm very you know proud to be able to, to have been there and walk out with the whole U S team during the opening ceremonies in Beijing. It really, um, was an emotional moment for me in my life. So beyond just com- competing and, and reaching that that spot in your career, yeah. um, representing the United States meant something to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, again, walking out, we walked out with like the basketball team and the tennis players, and 
some of the swimmers, you know, it's the whole U.S. team there. And it's like some of the, the best athletes America has to offer all. Like it, it was, we were like in an auditorium together, and I think it was like George, President George Bush came out and spoke to us before we, we all walked out together. And the whole arena started chanting USA. And again, we were in, we were in Beijing. And there's just something really special, and we all felt very unified as athletes, as American athletes. So to walk out together representing, you know, the best of our country was, um, again, it was so incredible. And 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 there, and I remember like just walking around all the other athletes from the other countries, kind of just kind of watching us in our in our Ralph Lauren um, suits. It was like 100 degrees and humid, and there was something special about it. And there definitely was, you know, they looked not necessarily looked up to us, but they all were watching what we were doing. And there's something, you know, um, you know, about the United States that's very special to people, but then also just to represent again, the athletes of the United States and amongst the world was, um, I keep using this world, this word, but it was uh, incredibly special day and event. I mean, you're in and around professional sports, but you get to the Olympics and there's Michael Phelps and there's this one. Do you get yeah. a little starstruck walking out and that opening ceremony and, and being around the athletes? I got a little starstruck with the basketball team a little bit. They were sitting next to us and they walked out next to, you know, there's Kobe Bryant, LeBron James when he was younger and Dwayne Wade. And there was all those guys. And, you know, at first you're a little starstruck because they are, they're huge stars. But then when you walk out together, you are, it, you kind of lose that. And you are kind of just a team and you're there to represent the United States the best you can. So that kind of goes away and, and you start focusing on your you know, individual sports and there you are with your team and just having a good time. So I would definitely say at first when we were in the auditorium together and you see these guys are like, you know, Kobe Bryant's like six six and Dwight Howard was like seven foot and like these guys are massive and and um but then it 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 goes away quickly because again you're you're all kind of on the same team there together. Do you have a, like a favorite memory from those games? Was it was it the opening ceremony? Was was that? It, the, yeah, it, it was definitely the opening ceremony. We were in the tunnel and we all started chanting USA, just like the athletes. And then slowly and gradually, the stadium started to chant and it grew and got louder and louder. And as we reached the end of the tunnel and started walking out together, the whole stadium was chanting USA. And that and my mom was there at the opening ceremony and one of my aunts, my dad's sister, and um, I would say. At that moment was probably uh, the, like, I mean, I had like, you know, goosebumps just walking out to that. And I think that was um, the most amazing moment and one of the greatest moments of my just career or just as a person on this, on this earth, just being able to experience that. So, you know, the games themselves were also very challenging and, and, and fun. You know, we lost to Nigeria, so we didn't reach the next round and we needed to like, we need to draw, tie them, but we had a red card in the first, I think it was like five minutes, so it kind of made it difficult for us. But um, I would say that opening ceremonies, walking out with the whole team, the whole U.S. team was uh, the greatest moment in the Olympics. You said the whole stadium was chanting USA, but yeah. you were in yeah. China. I know, I know. It was, it was it caught me off guard as well. Um, I think we all started chanting it, so we just gradually grew from there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Good question. I don't know. You know, yeah. it was well, interesting. At at the time, and this was 2008, so this was mm -hmm. uh, what five or six years before you would eventually, you know, come out publicly. Yep. As I know, yeah. people in your private life knew. Where was your head at that time on on being gay, and and and, yeah. or is it just was it just not on your radar? 
No, it is. It definitely was on my radar, you know, and, and, and as I look back at it, it's like it was such a great moment, but I wasn't totally able to soak it all in because I was still holding this secret from my teammates who were some of my best friends, you know, guys that I'm, again, experiencing something in my life that I'll never forget that I, you know, I can still hear the chants and the crowd growing chants in USA, but I still had something inside of me that was, that was hoping like, oh, I hope my teammates don't find that I'm like, you know, that I'm gay. And, and so I was, I'm, it's, it's a lot of, there were a lot of moments early on my career that I'm torn, that it was like some of the greatest moments in life and some of the, the most difficult and hardest moments because I wasn't able, you know, to have someone like Craig in my life that was able to experience it with me or wasn't able to, to speak to my best friends and teammates in a way where I was totally open with them. So, you know, it was, it was difficult. It was difficult, but I, I won't, I don't want to take away from the emotion that I, and, and the pride that I felt as an American to, to be able to walk out with the U.S. team. But it then, you know, it was tough that I would have, it was tough that I wasn't able to be an out game at that time as well, because I would have enjoyed it so much more. What was the, just kind of turning to a different, <laughs> maybe a different emotion. What mm-hmm. was the feeling when you realized we're not going to elimination round? Well, so we beat Japan the first game. We tied Holland. Was we tied Holland? I think we tied Holland. And we needed a draw against, or did we lose to Holland? I forgot. I think we, no, we tied. I think we tied Holland. I forgot. Sorry. And then yeah, we you, needed a point. You, you tied Netherlands. Nigeria. You lost in Nigeria. Yeah. So we needed a point. And so we went into this game thinking, all right, like we're in a good place. Um, let's, you know, we're going to play our best. And they're a good team. But like we felt confident that we could get at least a draw. So I think it was like two or three minutes in, you know, again, it's like 90 degrees with like 100% humidity, so hot, and we got a red card, and I remember I ended up playing like left back that game, but it was like the whole left side, and so playing against a team that was extremely athletic and a great, like just a great team, in that heat, down a man for not two minutes, really put us in a tough place, um, so when we lost that, it was just like, it was heartbreaking, because again, we want, we all were like part of this team that we thought we could do something really special we had a really we had a really uh great team and a group of guys that really liked each other that were willing to fight for each other and sacrifice for each other so I just remember kind of I was exhausted to be honest I like dropped to the floor at the end of the game and and I like could barely breathe and probably had lost like 10 to 15 pounds of just like water weight and I I was like oh sucks like we're we 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 missed an opportunity as a really great American team to do something special and to, you know, you're, to play with this team, but also you inspire so many other people and you, you realize that you're missing out on that was kind of, it was heartbreaking. Um, and, 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 and it was a bit like jaded, I think, all of a sudden traveling home because we just were like, like what just happened? You know, we went from having a great chance and, and, and I think having a great chance to even you know, move to the medal rounds, but we, uh, you know, missed out on this, on this last game. So, it was tough, and I, sometimes I'll see some of the guys from that team, and we'll still talk about it. But uh, you know, that's how sports are. You need a little luck sometimes, and you need, uh, you know, if the ref maybe if he wouldn't have decided to give a red card in that moment, you know, who knows what would have happened. But um, it's just the way it turned out. Did you get to stay in Beijing after no. for the second week, or did you go home? To, no, I had to go home. We, I was the Columbus crew, and we had games. So Ziggy, uh, was it Ziggy? I think it was Ziggy, or maybe it was our, the other coach was 
they need me back. So I came back, and then I think that's how I played that next weekend with Columbus. Did you have any? You have to get over it really quickly. (laughs) Well, you went on to win the MLS Cup that season, right? Yep, yep, yep. So the year had a good ending. Yeah. Um, Oh, just kind of one last Olympics question. And I always yeah. love to ask people about their free time between matches or competitions. Yeah. Did you get to explore the Olympics and meet other people? Not at all. I don't even, not at all. I mean, we, we were at the Olympic Village for like one night, and our coach was like, there's no chance we're staying here. <laughs> we were all like, <laughs> it was like so many guys, families like the Olympic Village with like these tiny little rooms. Uh, showers weren't great. The food, they, I think they also thought we were going to get into trouble. Um, you know, there's so many different athletes there that aren't competing that are just like there that have already competed or are waiting till the end of the tournament to compete. And so they moved us in a hotel and the security is so tight, the hotels and our schedule was so jam packed that we, we didn't do anything. I mean, we're pretty much just playing cards in hotel rooms. So, um, I think, you know, my mom and my aunt probably experienced more of Beijing and experienced more of the Olympics than I did, but, um. But I'm used to that, you know, I'm used to being somewhere uh, that could be, you know, really fun, but actually just being in a hotel and just can tell you more about hotel rooms than, than all the places I've been. So <laughs> I didn't really get to, yeah, get to do anything. From what I hear, getting into trouble is kind of par for the course of the Olympic Village, so it probably yeah. wasn't a bad idea to move. No, I think it was smart of the coaches. <laughs> Uh, well, I always end these interviews by asking people two questions. Uh, first, who's an Olympian who has inspired you, either either as you were a kid or or somebody more recent who just inspires you? Um, hmm, that's a really great question. Um, that really inspires me. Um, I mean, I think the Williams sisters have done an amazing job to, re- to represent. They represent the U.S. in, what, two Olympics? Maybe even three? Yeah, a couple, yeah. Yeah, and, like, winning gold medals and being so dominant. Um, I always love watching track and field. You know, I think the U.S., you know, obviously with the same bolt, the U.S. hasn't been as competitive. I think that no one has with him. But to watch him in those races has been, like, just – like, you know, sometimes you talk about, or we always talk about, like, athletes and, like, hard work, which I'm sure he is an extremely hard worker. But just to also be someone just so dominant and just purely athletic and genetically gifted is a really remarkable. I think he's, like, you know, such a talent. So, you know, I love watching track and field, and, and it's been, it was fun to watch him during his career. Um, and then I would say because I'm a huge Laker fan and I'm such a big Kobe fan, watching him definitely at the 08 Olympics was amazing because at the Olympics before that, they didn't do that well. And he was definitely a captain on that team that kept those guys focused. There was a lot of young basketball players, you know, LeBron early in his career, Carl Anthony early in his career, Dwight Howard early in his career. And he was so focused on just dominating. So watching him at the, at the Beijing Olympics and they were just like such a force um, was really inspiring for me. It's funny, um, people love track and field, but they would never sit down on just a random Sunday afternoon and watch no, a track I know. and field. I mean, it's, it's, it's not an American thing, but I mean, Brits would do it. You know, Brits, they, or like Europeans, they'll, they'll watch it. But yeah, it's not necessarily an American thing, but it's so funny. During the Olympics, we're so glued to our televisions when we're watching all of those, uh, you know, those races. 
And the other question I always ask, because the name of the podcast is taken right from the Lord of the Rings, uh, A, if you're a fan, and B, if you have a favorite part from Lord of the Rings. Yes, I am. I am a fan. I, that's like one of the, all those movies I can watch on a Sunday at 2 p.m., and I'll watch, and I'll fall asleep to it, and I'll watch it again. And, um, I think my favorite character was always Legolas. Funny the gays keep mentioning Legolas. Do they? That's that's funny. I mean, he was such a badass. I mean, he obviously was very beautiful while he did it, but with his like arrow and his knife and like just like he was amazing. So um, I don't know. Well, the other characters were like warriors. The other characters were like you know big brutes, and 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 he just kind of sat back there and glided. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Glide around, just like killing all these orcs and whatever else you call them and um i mean his story wasn't as emotional as some of the other characters but um he was just smooth at everything he did well as thanksgiving is in a few days what are you and greg and the kids doing for the holidays we are we have a family dinner we go down to orange county and um some of my family's joining us and uh the past two years now we've we're kind of starting this tradition of all getting together down in Orange County and um, just having it's like a late, early dinner, late brunch, um, and just kind of hanging out together. So it's definitely a time where we just hang out as a family, really, are really mellow, um, to stay, you know, pretty local. You know, obviously we live in, in Los Angeles, so we're just going to be like an hour away from our house and um, just relax. Is Greg's family in SoCal? Greg's family is in the desert, so they're close as well. Nice. All right, well, I I really appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck with All-American, and we'll be cheering for Season 3. Great. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Robbie Rogers. He really is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Next week, I'll be chatting with Tom Bosworth, the Olympic race walker, who is himself currently engaged to his boyfriend. And we talked about that a bit and his Olympic experience. So come on back next week and we'll talk to you then.